This is my dream. This is all my eggs in one basket. This is who I am. This is my drive. I want to be one of the best. CCR 80, October 7th, 2009. This edition of Cat Grave Radio was brought to you by NFL News and Rumors. The news never sleeps, and neither does NFL News and Rumors. No BS, no hype. NFL News and Rumors at NFLNR.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, hot stop! 89's in the building. Still on the mission, though. Still on the mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we are joined by Ross Tucker of SI.com and Sirius Satellite Radio. Nick Yeoman joins us to provide the fans perspective and we'll also check in with the enemy. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Well, you know, we predicted it last week. It looks like we were right. The Carolina Panthers didn't lose this past weekend. Of course, they had the luxury of the bye week, so they couldn't lose. Anyway, the word around the team's locker room is that it's a new season. We've also heard that Coach Fox is getting everybody ready for the next 13 games and approaching it one game at a time to turn around this 0-3 start. Part of that turnaround just might come at the defensive tackle spot where the team added veteran Hollis Thomas last week. If nothing else, he appears prepared to offer a lighter approach with the press. You know, I was in St. Louis, but I only got a few. I got a few reps here and there because I, I know why, because the other guys were a little quicker than me. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that's the way it goes. But he pretty much had me up for short yards and goal line. So to be able to get more snaps and stuff, especially just playing what I know, the nose and could be a benefit for all of us. You know, we ain't got to have these type of interviews here with the awkward moments of silence. <laughs> How did everything go down for you to come here? Uh, the Rams said bye, and you guys said hello. So now no more cutting right in that. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, I know uh, I know the head coach, obviously, Spags, from uh, when I was in Philadelphia. And um, he um, said that he needed to get some young guys playing and stuff and see what they had. You know, so I understood, and... He, was, he said he wished that I had like a three-week vacation to come back, but, you know, that's not the nature of the business. And uh, my agent called, called uh, Carolina, and the rest is history, like one day old. Let's hope that Thomas is able to help stop the bleeding on defense versus the run. The team will need him and everyone prepared to pick up their game as they get back to work at Bank of America Stadium Sunday versus the Washington Redskins. Hey, I know you feel like crap. I mean, you're not a very handsome guy anyway, so. But the performer, the quarterback, never really liked you as a quarterback. But as a person, that's who I love. As a, I love you as a person. You know what I'm saying? It's time now for the Panther preview. Yes, indeed. Maybe Steve says um, that, you know, he doesn't like Jake as a, as a quarterback, but he likes him as a person, loves him as a person and all that. Well, here's the guy. We don't love him as an analyst. We love him as a person. It's Nick Yeoman. Nick. How's it going? It's, it's going good, John. I think the uh, the bye week did us all a little good. You know, you, t- you take the time away from the football, away from this team, and uh, I think we're ready to roll. Are you back now and, you you know, you've got your focus again? I do. I do. I'm focused. And uh, I don't know if the rest of the fans are focused, but you know I am. 
All right, now that you've had some time off and, you know, you got a chance to scatter or get away from the team and um, not look at things for a little while, well, and the Panthers, I guess, did the same thing. Do you think they're going to come back from this? Are they going to show signs of life, or are these guys going to make like a well-trained dog and roll over? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the opponent, I think, because they're playing a Washington team that's struggling so much. I think that, uh, you know, you can come back and play average football, and it might be good enough to get a win. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, I think they're focused. I think they're, they're, they're a little laid back. I think this team's ready to roll. And, and I, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with playing against the Washington Redskins. I mean, you got to look at it uh, big picture. I mean, Carolina played three pretty good teams. Philadelphia, Atlanta, those are playoff teams. And Dallas, I think, is just mediocre. But I think, uh, I think really the schedule is going to help this team bounce back a lot. Rumors are always going to fly, especially when a team starts 0-3. You know, the coach is on the hot seat, he's going to be fired, and these are the potential candidates to replace him either during the season or at the end of the season. Well, Darren Gant drops this huge bomb on us over on uh, WFNZ uh, this week, says that if Fox is released, then Jeff Davidson becomes the favorite and would be promoted in-house, potentially. With that, news getting dropped out there and whether Darren's sources are good or not, Fox is now changing his tone. He just sounds different with the media. He sounds like a guy that's determined to either hang on to the job or prove what he can do in the meantime. First of all, the Davidson thing, your thoughts on that, and then will Coach Fox's new tone in his message change things? I don't like the Jeff Davidson thing at all. I I know I've listened to to Darren Gant quite a bit, and I know he's really high on Jeff Davidson, and and his opinion is that the organization is really high on Jeff Davidson, and, 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 you know, people around the league are high on him, that he could potentially be a future head coach. But I don't like it. I, I think if, if this team, if John Fox is not the guy and this season implodes and they win four or five games, I think you got to start fresh. You need to bring in some new names in here, some new faces and some new attitudes. Um, but you know what? It's good to see that, that John Fox, it's, it's a shame that John Fox, it took him to have an 0-3 start to maybe, you know, light a fire under his rear end and, and change his focus. But, you know, as, as media guys like you and I are, it's about time that we get enough of it is what it is. It's day-to-day. And that John Fox, you know, kind of gets his act together. And, and maybe, at least as far as press conferences are concerned, he's a little bit more focused and determined. Well, it was a rumor anyway that he had Irish coffee in his cup up there at his press conferences so maybe that's where that came from it's like oh, i'm i'm not really in a position right now to put together coherent sentences so it is what it is you know <laughs> but, okay so we're zero and three teams like the titans are winless which shocks me uh, there are winless teams around the league you can compare them i guess let's just go apples to apples are the panthers the best winless team in the league right now I think so. I, I was surprised that Tennessee lost, too. I mean, I, I really thought that, that they could knock off Jacksonville because I didn't think Jacksonville was a very good team. But uh, when you look around the rest of the league at the winless teams, I mean, you've got Cleveland and, and Kansas City and St. Louis, and there's no doubt in my mind the Panthers are better than most of those. So, I mean, that's a, that's a distinction that, that, unfortunately, you never want to have to be the best winless team. But I think it's safe to say you could you could put that label on the Carolina Panthers right now. Next up, the Redskins, and they're coming to our place, lucky us. So we got a guy coming in, Jason Campbell, who has struggled and may not have the backing of his organization and even his head coach. 
How is our defense going to handle him, Chris Cooley, Clinton Portis, everybody? How are we going to handle that? Will our defense stand up? Well, I think it's similar to how teams are going to game plan against the Panthers, which is make number 17 beat you, whether it's Jake DeLone or Jason Campbell, because both so far this season have proven that they're just turnover machines. Uh, Jason Campbell had quite a few. I think he had like two or three interceptions and a fumble in the first half. A week ago against Tampa Bay, and that's against a not, a, a, you know, a struggling Tampa Bay team. So, if you're the Panthers' defense, get pressure on Jason Campbell and make him try to make plays. I mean, if you give him time, he's proven in the league that he can make the good throws, he can make smart decisions. But then he also has those games like we've seen Jake De- Jake DeLome have, where he is just awful. So they got to bring the pressure. You got to play solid on those wide receivers because they do have some talent. Antoine Randall, Santana Moss, they got some of those young wide receivers, Malcolm Kelly. Uh, you got to watch out for those guys. And then, of course, Clinton Portis. You know, he's a, he's a solid running back. He's going to get a lot of touches. But I think if you're the Panthers, you got to make Jason Campbell beat you. And uh, if, he, if he makes those mistakes, I think the Panthers' defense could be in good shape. Well, we're going to be going up against the multi, multi million dollar defensive tackle. And maybe everybody thought that was crazy money to be handing out to somebody to play DT. But. I think most Panthers fans might be happy to have that cat playing for us now, but we've got to face uh, a, a Redskins defense that has probably outperformed their offense most weeks, and maybe some of that comes back to the head coach, maybe the quarterback, but how will Jake, Smitty, and the crew, how will they handle that Redskins defense, and do you expect them to run more than 16 times this week? Oh, absolutely. I think that that pass first, you know, throw, or, yeah, throw the ball first, run the ball second strategy that we've seen uh, through the first three weeks of the season, that has to go. I mean, it absolutely has to go. And it's not going to be easy because, yeah, you've got big Albert Hainsworth in the middle, and, and that defensive line for the Redskins is pretty good. Um, but, yeah, you've got to establish the run. And then, you know what, let Steve Smith play with his boy out there, D'Angelo Hall. You know that they're going to be going at it back and forth. But I just think it starts with the running game, and I, I really would like to see it be a run first past second offense that we really haven't seen this year that's made the Panthers so good under John Fox. So it's going to be tough. They've got some good linebackers. You know, London Fletcher is uh, is really one of the – I think he's one of the most underrated linebackers in the league, so you got to watch out for him. And, uh, of course, you know, you got some safeties back there and LeRon Landry you have to watch out for as well. But I think it all starts with the run. you got to get D'Angelo started. you got to bring Jonathan Stewart in there to bust open some big runs. And if that happens – you let Jake DeLome, you take the game out of Jake DeLome's hands, you make him a little more comfortable, I think this offense is going to be able to find success. But as you mentioned, the defense for the Redskins has certainly outperformed the offense so far this season. Seems to me some of the players are speaking up and sounding a little more optimistic. Some of the fans are saying things that, well, at least it doesn't sound like they're ready to jump off the bridge right now. How about you? I mean, what's your prediction for the game? Do you think we start getting things turned around this week against Washington? I really do. I think this is the week. I think the Panthers get on track and get that first win. I mean, you know, neither of these offenses really have found their identity or hit their strides, and I think that, like I said, that pass-first option, that's got to be thrown out the window. But, yeah, I think you get that false sense that when you get two weeks away from football and you have that bye week, you do kind of get that. Maybe it's a false sense of hope. Maybe it's something that, that in reality it shouldn't be there, that confidence and that hope that your team can turn it around. But I think I can, I can kind of feel it from the Panthers fans that I've talked to and that I've heard from, that they kind of think, okay, the Panthers need to take care of business in the next three weeks, 
And as we talked about, maybe even the next four weeks, they need to take care of business, and they could be right back into the thick of things, maybe for a wild card berth. I don't know if anyone's going to track down the New Orleans Saints at the pace they're going, but I think there is a little bit of confidence that usually if you're 0-3, you're not going to have. But I guess that's the great thing about the National Football League is we've seen, I mean, who would have thought that the Panthers and Titans would both be winless, and who would have thought that Denver Broncos would be undefeated? So it makes you think that if something like that can happen as quickly as we've seen it, that maybe you can turn that light switch on and a couple good wins against, you know, some subpar teams can build that confidence and get this team rolling. But uh, we're going to find out on Sunday against the Redskins. All right, so it sounds like you're confident about the game. Let's see how confident you are about the return of Julius Peppers. Well, that you don't know. You just don't know. Listen, Julius could go out there and he could get two or three sacks and wreak havoc, you know, four or five tackles, a couple tackles for loss. You know, he could break up a pass by getting his hands up, maybe even force a fumble. We may see that, or we'll see Julius get the one-sack game or the no-sack, two-tackle game. You just don't know. I mean, he's going to show up every once in a while, and uh, I just I have no confidence in him. I, I don't know what to expect game in. You know he's going to have those games that he shows up. You know there's those games that he's just going to disappear. Uh, so really you just have to, if you're the Panthers, you just have the game plan that he's not going to show up because he, 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 so far he's proven that, that he can't be relied on, and it's just frustrating as a fan. So I wouldn't expect much from Julius Peppers. Hopefully he'll go out there and surprise us. But uh, what we've seen this far, uh, thus far this season, I, I don't have any confidence that he'll show up. Yeah, we'll see how he does on Millionaire next week. But, uh, well, if we can get you talked into sticking around to pick some games and, and maybe do a boomer bust with us, uh, more therapy for us, if, if you're willing to hang out with us. Yeah, absolutely, John. I'll hang up for you. Coming up, we'll get the inside scoop from the enemy when we talk to Jim Giddings. In just a moment is our conversation with Ross Tucker of SI.com and Sirius Satellite Radio. Hang on. We'll have more Cat Crave Radio right after this. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. Get your Smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. It's time now to play the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boomer Bus joining us for the game. It is Nick Yeoman. Of course, Nick Yeoman, you all know him from the YouTube videos. Nick, are you ready to play the game? I sure am, John. Let's hit some Boomer Bus. We'll start you with Carson Palmer versus the Ravens. You know, usually I wouldn't say boom for a quarterback when facing the Ravens and that vaunted defense. However, the Ravens, while having the number one rushing defense, are actually 23rd in the league against the pass. That's pretty surprising if you ask me. And with Carson Palmer coming on strong, I'm going to say boom. Brandon Jacobs versus the Raiders. Well, the Raiders, plain and simple, they can't stop the run. I mean, (laughs) I expect Brandon Jacobs to wear that defensive front down. and It might be him busting a few long runs. It may be Ahmad Bradshaw. But I think Jacobs is going to have a monster game against the Silver and Black. If he plays, Matthew Stafford versus the Steelers. Well, uh, you know, he had that, that nasty tweak knee injury where his kneecap actually popped, you know, out of socket and back in. But I just don't see, if he plays a rookie quarterback, uh, playing a team with as little talent as the Lions have to find much success against that Steelers defense. The Steelers, top five defense in the league. They should dominate the passing game when Stafford's on the field. So I'm going to say bust. 
Michael Turner versus the Niners. Well, this should be a great matchup, but I favor the San Francisco run defense a little more. So I think Turner's a bust. The Niners are only giving up 74 yards per game on the ground, and I don't really see Michael Turner getting much more than that. Kurt Warner versus the Texans. Well, this is another matchup that, that people wouldn't think is strength versus strength, but Kurt Warner, you know, he's still capable of putting up great numbers. I know he's old, but that Houston secondary is playing well. I think Mario Williams is going to factor in the game big time. If he gets pressure on Warner like I expect him to, then Warner may toss a few interceptions, advantage Houston. So I think Warner's a bust. Ronnie Brown versus the Jets. I just I just can't see Ronnie Brown rushing for over 100 yards in this game against the Jets' defense. Remember, they played fairly well against the high-powered Saints offense, and if it wasn't for the mistakes by Mark Sanchez, you know, those are the ones that really lost in the game. I expect that fourth-ranked defense to bring their A game uh, and force Ronnie Brown into a bust-like weekend. Moving on to our matchup, or the Panthers matchup, against the Redskins, Jason Campbell versus our Panthers. Jason Campbell's definitely a bust this week against Carolina. Way too many turnovers and not enough big plays or points, and that's what this team is really needed. I mean, that's what's pointed them in the wrong direction. It's been the mistakes. If we see too much soft coverage from Ron Meeks, then maybe Campbell can find some plays. He can make some plays throwing the football, but I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I think Jason Campbell's a bust. Our Steve Smith versus the Redskins. I'll tell you what, our Steve Smith's kind of been overshadowed by the Giants one this year because the Giants Steve Smith's playing pretty well. But I expect our Steve Smith to have a great game, especially since he's going up against his good buddy D'Angelo Hall. We all know how much those two like each other. So I'm sure we'll get a fired-up Smitty, and as long as he's not breaking off routes and he stays on the same page as Jake DeLome, I think he'll make an impact in this game. Clinton Portis versus the Panthers. Well, Clinton Portis almost broke that 100-yard mark last week against Tampa, and if he sees the ball more, like I expect him to in Sunday's game against the Panthers, I think he'll be a boom. The interior line for the Panthers isn't scaring anyone. We'll see if John Beeson can bounce back and, and raise his game up, because he's really been a disappointment so far this season, but I really see a good game from a com- coming from Clinton Portis, so I'm going to say boom. Finally, the guy apparently whose jersey you burned, Jake DeLome versus the Redskins. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't burn his jersey, don't worry. I, I've certainly thought about it, but I, I just don't feel confident enough in Jake to say he'll be a boom this weekend. The Redskins, they're in the bottom half of the league with only two interceptions in four games, but as we've seen in the past four games from the Panthers, if you play Jake DeLome, your turnover margin starts looking pretty good, so I still don't expect much from Jake, and I'm going to have to say bust. Well, Nick, we appreciate you playing the game with us once again. Hey, I appreciate it, John. Have a good one. This is your show. Thank you to the fans of the Carolina Panthers for helping us start a revolution. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Joining us now is Ross Tucker. Ross is an SI.com contributor. He is a host over on Sirius Satellite Radio and the purveyor of GoBigRecruiting.com. Ross, thanks for joining us. Anytime, John. You know that. Now, Ross, I'm going to start you with this next opponent. Carolina starting 0-3 and about to face a struggling Redskins team on Sunday. Now, despite the Redskins' tough start, and they've they've struggled at times, what would you consider to be their strengths? Um, well, typically I would say the running game, although that really hasn't been a great sign of strength for them so far this year. Usually... You can count on that offensive line to grind it in yards for Clinton Portis and even Liddell Betts. And given what Carolina has had to face on their D-line so far this year and the kind of the rushing yards they've given up, most noticeably against Dallas 
uh, last Monday night. Uh, I certainly think that that's going to be a main focus of the Redskins. They also, though, have Santana Moss playing pretty well. He's been kind of the uh, the largest bright spot for their team. It's amazing how much scrutiny they've come under for a two-and-two squad. Well, you mentioned their offensive line, their running game. It seems our offensive line, the Panthers' offensive line, even though this is a unit that returned all five starters and they've got a lot of solid talent along that, that, that line, yet they haven't played very well. Do you see any real glaring problems with this unit? No, I mean, I'm surprised myself because, like you referenced, it's the exact same squad and they'll have, you know, D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart. I'm not really sure why they haven't had as much success they did last year. The only thing I can figure on is that maybe they're getting a little bit more eight-man-in-the-box looks, but my guess is they were last year anyway, and they're still double-teaming Steve Smith a lot. So, to me, that means they need to get the running game going and they need to get the other wide receiver, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Moose or somebody else. They need to be more productive because more often than not, they're the ones getting the man-to-man coverage. But they need to get that offensive line and the running game going. That's kind of why they've been successful. I mean, Jake DeLome is not a great quarterback if you just want him to kind of drop back and chuck it three times a game. He was excelling last year and being more of a pick-your-spots kind of guy. Well, you mentioned some guys that are struggling like Jake. Um, I'll, I'll throw you one more name, and that is Julius Peppers, especially after the contract uh, or the, the, the tender that he just signed in the offseason. Peter King just called him, I believe he called him, the most overrated player in football. Would you agree with that? Um, well, I don't know. It depends on who's rating him. I'd say for right now he's the most overpaid player in football, that's for sure. Um, I don't think there's anybody making more than his one million bucks a week or whatever he's making, and he really hasn't been all that productive. And what's most concerning about it is this isn't the first time he's seen this from Joyce. He's kind of hot and cold. A couple of years ago, he did virtually nothing. And then last year in the contract year, he was really able to have an excellent So I wouldn't be too alarmed, but if it's a couple more weeks with no production, I'd be concerned. You know, obviously a guy like that gets some of his production when his team has a lead and the other team's looking to throw the ball. And there are other guys elsewhere. You know, last night uh, the talk was about James Harrison, Lamar Woodley not being as productive so far. DeMarcus Ware still doesn't have a sack yet. It's like Elvis Dumerville and Antoine Odom have eight. So sometimes it comes in bunches, uh, but he better start to do something pretty well, we're talking about guys struggling, too, and, and you've already mentioned Jake. Do you think, especially with this bye week here now and getting ready for Washington, should the team make a change at quarterback? No, I don't think so. I just don't see how that benefits. I mean, unless you think H.A. with a couple weeks' work can come in and do better, or Matt Moore, if you think he's a quarterback of the future and can do better, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I think you ride Jake until you're pretty much sure that you're out of it. I don't know if that's 0-6. I don't know if it's 2-9. I don't know what the number is, but at some point you realize that this year is just not going to happen, and then you try to find out what you have in either Feely or, you know, Matt Moore. We came into the season really high on this team. I know I was um, bringing back 20 of 22 starters, on paper, things looked really good. Some guys like, you know, John Beeson, you know, young players who you felt like were being groomed and, and were looking better and better 
the longer they played. Yet, no matter how you know the roster looked and on paper how good this team looked, do you think that maybe the team and I've I've had this suggested to me that the team just isn't as good as we thought they were? I mean, would you agree with that assessment? Uh, I don't know. Clearly, they're not at this point. But let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's not like they're the only team going through this. Case in point, check out the Tennessee Titans. They were better than Carolina last year by a game, and now they're worse by right now at 0-4. And they've looked really bad in their last couple losses, so that's especially disconcerting. You know, I, I don't think I don't think you can just take it and say, okay, well, we're not as good as we thought. Or I think at some point you got to let it play out and then try to have that discussion. Um, because then it, what are you trying to say then? The 12-4 and four season was a mirage? Because I don't think it was. I watched that team last year. I thought they were dominant. Yeah, she picked them to go to and win the Super Bowl once the playoffs started. That's how high I was on what they had going, going into the playoffs. And obviously they had the Cardinals game disaster. We always talk about head coaches. We talk about players. And and the, the thing is, I know in, in the locker room, you know, coaches can continue. They can harp on players. They can bring things up in, in, in meeting rooms, show them the film. But there's a school of thought that says that there's a shelf life for NFL head coaches. Do you think maybe we've reached a point where John Fox's message just isn't getting through to these guys? I don't think so because, I mean, wasn't it the same message that was getting through nine months ago? You know, I, I just – and he's a guy that he's come back from the dead so speak, a number of times, 2003, 2005. You know, they've kind of had these intermittent years. Last year was a year, so maybe this year is a down year. It doesn't really seem to make much sense to, if they have a bad year that you need to get rid of in the off season. One, it would appear to be that he's due for a good year next year. I mean, it almost seems like it's every other to some extent. What would you say the odds are? I mean, especially with these three games coming up, Washington, Tampa, Buffalo, what are the odds that, that this team can actually turn it around? I think they got a pretty good chance during three, quite frankly, based upon that schedule. And then when they get to that point, you know, everything's fair game. You get to three after six games, you got pretty much as good of a shot as anybody to get into the postseason. Well, I appreciate you taking time with us. I know you're um, you're a busy man. You got a lot going on. But uh, Ross, once again, we appreciate you uh, taking time to join us. No problem, John. My pleasure. What's on your mind? Email us at catcraveradio at gmail dot com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail dot com. CCR continues in a moment. Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no offseason. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It is time now to pick some games. Joining us for that very important task is Nick Yeoman. Nick had a very good week last week. He went 12-2, and and overall for the season he is 45-17. and Nick, are you ready to pick some games for week five? I am. I'm on fire right now. So uh, let's see if we keep the momentum rolling and, and pick some winners. 
You are in Fuego. We'll start you with Bengals-Ravens. Well, an early season game for the lead in the NFC North, and it doesn't feature the Steelers. Who would have really thunk that? I think the Ravens are just a little too well-rounded for Cincinnati for them to sneak up on them. Plus, Ray Lewis is just a little angry after last week's officiating, so I'm going to take the Ravens for the win. Vikings-Rams. Winless St. Louis versus undefeated Minnesota. I'll take the Vikings every time in this matchup. Adrian Peterson all day against the Rams. Raiders and Giants. Well, here's another 4-0 team versus an 0-4 squad. The luckiest guy on Sunday is going to be Darren McFadden because he's already hurt and won't have to take his lumps against this strong Giants defense. I expect Eli Manning, if he's healthy, to tear that Raiders defense apart, and the Giants will win. Browns and Bills. Well, I guess something has to give in the battle of two of the sorriest teams this season. You know, despite having a sad team this year, it's still very tough to play in Buffalo. Cleveland's coming off an emotional loss in overtime against the Bengals, so I'm going to take the Bills to win this They'll win this one on Sunday, but it's not going to be pretty. Steelers and Lions. When the Pittsburgh Steelers play like they did in the first half against San Diego, there are few teams that can beat them. And then when they play, play not to lose like they did in the second half against the Chargers, that's when teams like the Lions can sneak up on you. I don't expect Detroit to sneak up on them, though. I expect the Steelers to bring their A game, play well, and win fairly easily. Cowboys and Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are another one of those franchises that, you know, nobody really knows where they're headed. The Cowboys appear to be nothing more than a, just an average football team right now, but I think average is enough to get it done over Kansas City. I think the Cowboys win easily as well. Bucks and Eagles. Well, this is another game that I just, I just don't see being very close. The Buccaneers are an absolute mess right now, and Philly, while trying to get and stay healthy at quarterback, uh, are easily better than Tampa Bay. They should win this one by, I think, three touchdowns or more. Falcons and Niners. There we go. That's that's what I'm talking about. A, a solid matchup. It should be worth watching. It's tough to tell really how good the Falcons are because in their three games so far, we've seen three different results. I mean, a blowout win, a close win over the Panthers, and then, of course, a loss to the Patriots. I expect Patrick Willis to cause problems, but Matty Ice and that Falcons team should prevail. So I'm going to take ATL on the road. Texans and Cardinals. Uh, both of these teams they appear to be on right on that edge of being, you know, a potential contender as well as falling apart and falling back to the pack where they've been, uh, you know, history shows in the last four or five years. I expect the Texans to play well, and I think that defense should hold the Arizona offense and check a few big plays, big catches by Andre Johnson after that, and I think the Texans should pick up the win. Jaguars and Seahawks. Well, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take the hotter team here. Uh, that's, that's, that's riding more momentum. The Seahawks of course, just blown out last week by the Colts. And the Jaguars picked up their first win. So I'm going to take Jacksonville over the banged-up Sea Chickens. Patriots and Broncos. It's tough to doubt the Denver Bronco defense anymore because they're playing so well, just lights out defense. Josh McDaniels, of course, he gets to go toe-to-toe with his mentor, uh, Bill Belichick. And I see the veteran and his Patriots picking up the win. However, Denver will be in this game all the way to the final possession, but i got to take the Patriots. Colts and Titans. So this has to be probably the most surprising 4-0 versus 0-4 matchup this weekend. I really cannot believe that Tennessee lost to Jacksonville last Sunday, and now you just wonder when they're going to win that first game. I don't think it's going to be this Sunday against the Colts. Peyton Manning, I think he throws for another 300-yard game. That'd be his fifth straight game this season, and I think the Colts pick up the win. Jets and Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins are the hotter team after picking up their first win of the season, while the Jets lost their first last uh, last Sunday to 
the New Orleans Saints. I actually expect this trend to continue. It's kind of my upset pick of the week. I think the Dolphins knock off the Jets. They force Mark Sanchez into his second straight uh, poor performance in his Monday Night Football debut. So give me the Dolphins in an upset. And from the Department of Redundancy Department, Redskins and Panthers. Well, like I said, I think this is the week. I think the Panthers can get it together. Two offenses that just... They don't know where they're at. They're struggling. It's probably going to come down to who throws the least amount of interceptions. I think it's going to be Jake DeLome. I don't see a lot of points, but I think the Panthers come through. Pick up win number one. I'm going to say final score, 17-13. to 13. Well, we'll continue to keep score, Nick, and uh, we'll see you back here next week to pick some more. Hey, sounds good, John. Revolutionizing the way you listen to your sports. Wait a minute. Who are we kidding? It's just a freaking podcast. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. And we've added a new method for you to stay in touch with us. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call us at 206-350-9673 and leave us a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team or on the show. Good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. Tell us what's on your mind. Call us at 206-350-9673. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Boy action fake, Jason Campbell, wheels, going deep, down the sideline, looking for Moss, catch the play, it's a 10 touchdown, touchdown, It's time now to check in with the enemy. This week's enemy, the Washington Redskins, and here to represent the Washington Redskins, it's Jim Giddings. Uh, Jim is the lead writer over at rigosrag.com. Jim, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, John. Jim, we'll start off with the Redskins offense. There's been a lot of talk about Jason Campbell, the situation he went through in the offseason, and of course we know about Clinton Portis. Tell us about that offense and how you might expect them to uh, to attack the Carolina defense. Well, I think first and foremost, they will try to run. Even with uh, Portis having a little bit of a thigh issue and some ankle issues, the Redskins will definitely try to run. I do expect them to go to Cooley early and often. And uh, Zorn's going to try to take his hits downfield with Moss or even with Malcolm Kelly, but... Uh, Frankly, Campbell has an accuracy issue going downfield, even though he throws a decent ball. So uh, I really expect a lot of short passing. And when I say that, I really mean like five to ten yards. And I expect them to run, even if they're only getting three, three and a half yards a pop. I think they'll try to run most of the game unless it gets ugly. Well, you guys made a lot of, well, an awful lot of headlines in the offseason. There was the Jason Campbell situation. Um, There was even an interesting situation with Chris Cooley, your tight end. But... On the defensive side of the ball, the Albert Hainsworth signing, huge money, uh, major uh, major guarantee in this contract. Your defense right now, and they, they, have, they really haven't given up a tremendous amount of points, especially last week against uh, the Buccaneers. Tell us about that defense. Tell us what you expect them to do with Jake and the running game and the Carolina offense. First and foremost, I expect them to have a prayer session Saturday night and pray that Jake throws about four picks. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts out off in their chapel. But seriously, uh, you know, the thing about the Panthers is the Redskins will give up passing yardage. You can hit the big play on them, 
but especially on third down. So they're going to have to blitz Delhomme a lot, and I think they'll probably do that from the outside primarily. You don't see them run a whole lot of stunts. Uh, what they're hoping for is that Hainsworth gets the push up the middle, occupies the two blockers, and then Andre Carter or Brian Arakbo can come from the outside. So the question is how quick of a release does Delhomme have, and when he releases quick, you know, how accurate is he? And then the other big thing is uh, you're going to see a lot of London Fletcher because I really think that they're going to have to uh, slow down the rushing attack of the Panthers. And frankly, the Redskins haven't proven consistently that they can do that. They played what some people thought was a pretty soft schedule, you know, the last two weeks, and uh, got burned pretty badly. So I just think mostly they will do their best to rush Delhomme, and that will be their top strategy. And the one big exposure they have there is that Laron Landry, you know, playing the deep safety, sometimes he just gets there late and sometimes he goes for the ball and misses. And if he does that against Smith, it's going to be a very, very long day. Tell us about maybe one or two players. Uh, and there's a, always There are always two or three teams, and Washington is usually one of those teams with an owner like Dan Snyder and the moves they normally make in the offseason. They get a lot of press, and therefore people get to know their, you know, their players' names. But can you tell us one or two players that we may not be aware of, sort of under-the-radar guys that we should be watching for? Yeah, I think I can, and you're right. The Redskins win the Super Bowl in most off-seasons. <laughs> that wasn't the case this year and last year, but typically that's the case. And then, of course, it's a different team when they get on the field. I think uh, one of the guys you should look at is Malcolm Kelly. They're really trying to get him involved. He's actually the number two receiver because Randall Allen is in the slot. Now, being number two does not mean he gets the most ball thrown to him, but if they get in your scoring position, they will try to throw it up high. He will go up and get it. So he's a guy to watch. I think on defense, the guy I would watch is Reed Dowdy. He's been with them a few years, but he really just got uh, awarded the starting job last week. And the guy is not a perfect safety. He doesn't have a complete game yet, but he really, really does great on run support. And he's coming into his own on the passing game. So I would watch Dowdy on defense and Kelly on offense. And can you give us a quick rundown of the Redskins' injury situation? The Redskins' injury situation isn't too bad. You know, uh, Portis, as we said, he, he runs on gimpy legs. But he's tough as nails, so he's going to do that anyway. Now, the big injury for them is their punter, Hunter Smith. They uh are working out punters because he really can't go this week. He hurt himself, uh, I believe it was during the warm-ups of last week's game. It's a groin injury, so he's not going to punt. They have their uh, field goal kicker doing the punting, and, you know, it, for what it was worth, it wasn't terrible, but if it was a really competitive game, especially against a team that can be dangerous like the Panthers, you don't want that, so... I don't know if they've made a selection yet, but they're definitely working out a punter. That's probably their biggest exposure. And we'll give you a chance here. I guess, you know, the old saying, we'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. Uh, here's your chance to uh, to make a prediction. Oh, boy, this is just wonderful. Um, you know, I, I'm a big what-you-see-is-what-you-get guy, except that I don't believe that teams establish themselves, by and large, in their first few games. So... Having said that, and admitting that I really don't know what to expect from the Panthers, I do expect a low-scoring game. I think that the Redskins in particular, 
if they get two touchdowns and two field goals, they're probably doing well given how they've played. So I would like to say Redskins 24, Panthers 20, but in reality, right now from what I've seen looking strictly at capability and assuming that DeLong doesn't throw many picks, I really think that it'll be the other way around. I think it'll probably be Carolina 24, the Redskins 17. Well, again, we've been talking to uh, Jim Giddings. Jim is the lead writer over at rigosrag.com. Jim, thanks for being with us this week. Well, thank you very much for having me, John. According to Darren Gant of the Rock Hill Herald, things in the Panthers' locker room were loose on Monday. This song, Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, was blasting from a radio. Bob reminds everybody listening to him sing, Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing going to be all right. Let's hope his words are prophetic. This team needs to worry less and focus on each game. Can they do it? Will the defense show up ready to play? Can the tackling improve? Will Chris Harris play and help the secondary step up their game? Will the offense finally rediscover the running game that is the backbone of their game? Will Jake find Smitty? Will Jake find Moose? Will Jake not throw any passes to the other team? Questions? You want questions? Oh, we got them. Don't worry about a thing? Well, I'm not so sure unless this bye week and the time away has been good for these guys. Let's hope it has. The so-called easy part of the schedule is here, and this team has a chance to dig itself out of the cellar, and at least they aren't facing the Eagles again. Jason Campbell in the Redskins offense simply doesn't strike fear in many people, but Chris Cooley is a concern. Eliminate the turnovers and play defense. You do those things, and I'll take your advice, Bob. I'll stop worrying, and maybe then every little thing is going to be all right. But I have a feeling the Panthers can pull this one out. My pick? Carolina 27, Washington 13. Before we go this week, I want to beg a little. Grovel, if you will. The annual podcast awards are now taking nominations. Now, while we might not be in the same league as Mike and Mike or Ross Tucker's show, we are always working to provide you with the best Panther show on the planet. If you agree that we've succeeded, go to podcastawards.com and nominate us for Sports Podcast of the Year. Follow the instructions listed on their page. We also have the information listed on our website at catcraveradio.com in the show notes for this episode. And we thank you for your support. I want to thank Ross Tucker for being with us this week. Ross can be found at si.com and on Sirius Satellite Radio. Also, my thanks to Jim Giddings for taking part in the Enemy segment. Jim's work is located at rigosrag.com. And as always, our appreciation to Nick Yeoman for his efforts on the show this week. Be sure to log on to youtube.com and look him up by searching for Big Nick 2700. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. 
Carolina for a Panthers football game.